0: Today on the podcast, a mantelpiece moment that sees a gift from a fan, a novel that is all for one and one for all, and of course the weekly reveal to what magical book I have pulled down from my to-be-read shelf. All of that and more this week on a novel review. Hello and welcome to the Literature Podcast A Novel Review. My name is Seamus, your host, and together we will discuss, dissect and explore the wonderful world of literature, and the wonderful world of literature is a vast and dense jungle. So let's start making our way through, one book at a time. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of A Novel Review, a podcast exploring the wonderful world of literature. My name is Seamus, I am your host, and for today's episode, Alexander Dumas' The Three Musketeers. But before I jump into this book, I always take a moment to reflect on any mantelpiece moments, something to highlight from the week past, and this week, something that can physically go on the mantelpiece. I was very fortunate enough to receive a gift from a listener or a the gift a gift from a daughter of a listener um, for those on YouTube you've probably already spied it here this little book hedgehog it is absolutely fantastic sorry for the listeners listening in it is a book that has been folded into look like a hedgehog there are some googly eyes on the front it looks incredible this came from a lovely girl called Sienna um, I was assured that the book was on its way out. It was already damaged and was going to be thrown out. Otherwise, we're not wasting good books, which is important. But we are upcycling at the same time, which is also important. So it is absolutely fantastic. I don't have a name for it yet. I've got to think of something quite literary to 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 sort of match the fact that it's made out of a book. Um, But I don't have anything yet. But thank you so much for that, Sienna. That is just absolutely fantastic. It's going to be sitting on the mantelpiece or just here on the side of the chair for a very long time to come housekeeping as always all the scripts from the episode will be available on the website there should be closed captions somewhere around here and yeah like subscribe five star review i really appreciate it i I, you know i love seeing when i've got another five star review or i've got a like on youtube or something like that it's just fantastic and it encourages other people to check out the show as well so thank you so much for that guys All for one and one for all. We start today with perhaps the most famous and known quote from the book. It is the motto of the musketeers that tear their way through this world, you know, quarrelling, dueling, fighting, drinking, eating, and just generally causing a ruckus under the pretext of doing good. I'm not saying that they are bad people, you know, maybe complex is a better word to describe them. Uh, Just for a bit of reference, The Three Musketeers is a French historical adventure story released by the author Alexandre Dumas. It was released in serial from March to July in 1844 and the novel itself is set in France in 1625. Now I read The Count of Monte Cristo and I loved it. Like it's, I mean it's my second favorite book easily behind Lord of the Rings. So when it came to reading this, The Three Musketeers, I was always a little wary, a little nervous, maybe even tentative. All of this because, well, like, what if it just didn't live up to the hype? What if I was just disappointing myself in the comparison? So, before I give an answer to that sort of general question, let's start with an overview. Set in 17th century France, the story follows the young and ambitious D'Artagnan as he journeys to Paris to join the prestigious musketeers of the Guard. Along the way, he befriends Athos, Pothos, and Aramis, three skilled and loyal musketeers. Together, they become embroiled in a web of political intrigue, romance, and treachery. As they navigate the dangerous world of court politics, they find themselves entangled in a plot to overthrow the king and must use their wit, bravery, and swordmanship to protect their honour and the crown of France. So, what did I think of this book? Did it live up to my own wild expectations? Yes and no. Let me explain. The overview makes the book sound like it could be the most intense political drama novel of all time which I was kind of expecting after reading the blurb and then it just wasn't that and I was a little confused. I don't think I understood this book at the beginning. I couldn't quite place my finger on what it was in terms of genre and narrative and because I couldn't place my finger on what it was, I couldn't work out what it was trying to do. This book is largely classified as a political thriller and so with that I thought there would be this element and tone of seriousness to it which there is at times, but I mean, come on, anyone that's read this book, come on. It is one big joke. And I don't mean joke as in, in in a bad thing, but the whole thing is just a comedy. The whole thing is comedic buffoonery and drama masquerading as this serious political drama. But it actually does have a slightly more serious tone, which I will touch on in a bit. But I mean, basically, let me just finish saying that once I got my head around the fact that these Characters were wild and improbable. That the situations were absurd and improbable. That the storyline was insane and improbable. I had a lot of fun. It's different to *The Count of Monte Cristo*, which of course explores one man's revenge on a pretty dedicated level. Whereas this is more a series of events strung together. There is this kind of looch overarching, looch, loose, overarching, loose, loose, overarching storyline. Uh, but it's not the main focus point for most of the novel. Not because it isn't important, it's just one of those things that, you know, it's just other things pop up and get in the way. This to me would have been great serialized, great serialized as a novel because it is fun and I think it would probably be the equivalent to a modern sitcom in that it's sort of entertainment but it's also you know a really quality i'm talking about a quality sitcom of course it's really quality you know Damar is a class writer and so even though the story is a bit ridiculous it's still produced with an air of quality the writing style is incredibly embellished and flows and the story isn't loose with a lot of plot holes that detract from the enjoyment of it at all but i think what it was for me was the fact that the novel was not deeper than it is presented the characterization is a good point to discuss and to look at. The characters of the story all sort of had this defining characteristic. D'Artagnan is young and a little reckless. Aramis is quiet and sort of dancing with religion. Milady, the main villain of the story, is just hell-bent on revenge and killing. And there doesn't seem to be any deeper philosophical offering to them, nor explanation for it. And I mean, that's fine because I would say we're having a good time and we're here for a good time, not a long time. But of course, brevity is not Dumas' strong point, which is again fine because we were having a good time while reading it as these plots, these insane plots and subplots unfold page by page. Now, I have said that there is nothing really that deep about the novel however i am going to go back on that momentarily because even in this farce this outrageous circus that we are reading there is probably an element of truth worth considering and discussing this is kind of for me the only part that if you really gave it some thought you could you know find some meaning in the text if you really you know, were, were discontent with calling this book a bit of jokey fun a circus of farce then because of the politics in it you could label it a satire. War in this novel is just presented in such a curious way. In fact all the political drama in the novel is presented in such a curious way and can be boiled down to such wonderfully and simply absurd notions that it almost makes it great fun if there wasn't this element of truth to it. I'm just gonna discuss one of them because I don't want to run through all of them that would take me through the whole book and I don't want to spoil the fun for anyone listening that hasn't read the book but one of the underlying storylines is that the Queen of France, this woman called Queen Anne, and the Duke of Buckingham from England, this man called George villas they are, just a side note, they're both actually historical figures as well, but they're having an affair. And because of this, the Duke has no issues at all in starting a war between England and France for the simple fact that he wants an excuse just to have to travel to France so that he can hopefully see the Queen. This is an absurd idea, a ridiculous one, and yet there is that element of truth that maybe leaders are only starting wars or other politically motivated actions for decisions made under the pretext of something else. Starting a war to be close to your lover, how romantic, or maybe starting a war to find weapons of mass destruction, I I don't know. But to quote the story itself, it says a rogue does not laugh in the same way that an honest man does. A hypocrite does not shed the tears of a man of good faith. All falsehood is a mask. And however well made the mask may be, with a little attention, we may always succeed in distinguishing it from the true face. Maybe this is that little attention Dumas is asking us to pay attention to in this riot of a book filled with ridiculously large characters all acting out an insane story for us. And it's these... Actions from the people in positions of higher power that make this book, I think, curious because, as the reader, the Musketeers are presented as the good guys and so, in a way, that's what we think and expect of them. But if you actually slow down, everyone's moral compass in this book is a bit dodgy, a bit flimsy. And because of this, I found I didn't actually like any of the characters in a way that I could associate and understand them. But that being said, I didn't dislike them either. They are the kind of characters that you like to know, to learn about, to read about, to spend some time with and have fun. But you're also kind of glad that this relationship starts and ends when you open the book and that you're largely in control of that. Now, just before I head to the back end of this episode, I want to mention his writing style again. As you may have heard, despite my best butchery work, of course, Dumas does have this really simple and effective style of writing. It's quite flowery and expansive without being difficult, making it just just this general pleasure to read. He has this wonderful ability to thread philosophical undertones into the meaning of his writing, which also elevates his style that little bit more, combined, of course, with the expansive storylines that all make his stories just downright adventures, and it's a pleasure for the reader to indulge in, which is why he has remained so readable even to this day. So what would I rate this out of 5? It's not as good as Monte Cristo, I will concede that, but I mean there's a reason it has also survived this long. I'm going to give it 4.5 out of 5. I know there are two sequels to this book that he wrote, and I'm very much looking forward to reading the next two. So what am I reading this week? This week I am reading To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. I have to admit I made a little mistake in that I actually meant to download to listen her other novel, The Waves, but I don't know what happened. I saw a lighthouse, I thought of seawater, the ocean, waves, I don't know. But I didn't realise it until I was about an hour in. um, I'm listening to it in case you hadn't picked that up. And once I realised, I laughed and just decided to keep going because, I mean, I was in and it's Virginia Woolf, so it's incredibly beautiful and it's expertly written. I don't quite know where the story is going, but there have been so far some wonderfully stark ideas about the posterity of humanity against the world and time. This kind of idea that we all fade into nothing and become nothing and that this, this one idea that a rock will outlive Shakespeare... I don't have an answer yet. I don't know if she presents an answer to this philosophical conundrum. We'll see when we get there. Now, before I close out the show, if you have listened this far, please consider hitting those five stars. I would really appreciate it. Also, feel free to head along to the website and support the pod. But as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for your attention. So. I think it's time to end this episode, and today to take us away, I think a bit of Socrates and his wisdom as he says, The greatest blessing granted to mankind comes by way of madness, which is a divine gift.